Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. I think we are just scratching the tip of the What do you see the end game for you and with Kafu? Global domination. Global domination, yeah. okay. The mobility space is, is a very interesting space, but nobody really addressed the infrastructure space around mobility. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Lulu. If you live in the UAE, you've probably seen those teal-colored little trucks that go around town and deliver petrol. You may have also gone to your app store and downloaded the Kafu app to get fuel delivered straight to your home or your office or wherever you may be. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Rashid al Hurair. Rashid is the founder of Kafu and a prominent businessman uh, from the UAE. He is also a philanthropist. He serves uh, as a member of the board of trustees for the Abdullah al Hurair Foundation for Education. And more recently, Rashid was appointed as a board member of the Dubai Digital Chamber uh, of the Dubai Chamber of Digital Economy. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Rashid so we can talk about his experience. Uh, of launching Kafu, what are some of his challenges, what are his thoughts on competition, expansion, his business model, fundraising, uh, and much, much more. So, um, Rashid, uh, thank you so much for coming in and welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, so you come from a, um, let's start with, you know, where you come from. You come from a very prominent business family in the UAE, the al family. You are the, the third generation in this family. So what was it, maybe give us a glimpse of what it was like to grow up in a, in a, in a family like that, in a, in a successful family. Well, it wasn't easy. You know, when you come on the, on the, on the shadow of somebody who is in front of you, uh, who is my dad, and, uh, you know, he has left behind or is uh, leaving behind a big legacy, uh, to come into those big, uh, you know, footsteps is, is not easy. We started with a lot of, you know, challenges when we were young and... Uh, it started with you know with uh, putting our our minds into uh, into a bigger perspective look at uh, the world in a different way um, uh, one of the things which you know my dad used to tell me is that there are no borders you know for business business has no borders and opportunities flow without borders so we saw the world as uh, as a small you know uh, place to to live in uh, and and do business um, I grew up in Dubai. Um, I left to the U.S. and uh, studied in Boston, 99 to 2004. Came back, um, wanted to join the family business, and uh, you know my uh, my dad kicked me out and said that kicked you out. Kicked me out. Okay, why is said, that? That's 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 strange. That's tough. Um, that was kind of like the first uh, you know uh, welcome back uh, sort of uh, reality. So uh, welcome back and see you later. Exactly. Uh, so I had to go and work outside the family business. Um, and that's, that's a way for him to teach me to look at the hard, uh, you know, the hard reality of life. Okay. And uh, 
and be a bit more responsible uh, about it. So I had to go, go out and work in a company called Dubai Aluminium, a good uh, school, um, a very industrial, uh, you know, big uh, setup um, owned by the government. Today it became EGA, Emirates Global Aluminium. And, um, and I saw something which was interesting there, which is a business that was based in Dubai uh, that became almost, you know, the fifth largest uh, aluminium smelter in the world. Uh, so that gave me a perspective that we can build something here that can become, you know, top 10 in the world. So it's a listed company? Uh, it's, I think uh, they will be looking to IPO very soon. Okay. Um, oh, so it's still, is it still owned by the government? It is still, uh, still owned by the government. Okay. Um, but, but let's, let's, let's uh, pa- pause just, just for a second. Do you have, uh, do you have a lot of siblings? I have a lot of siblings, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a big and... family. And nobody like worked in the family business or was it no, only I you? Think, I think, you know, when we were growing up, uh, we got introduced, when we were again in school, we got introduced that uh, to a concept which is third generation are typically uh, the family business breaker. They break the, you know, the empire or... Uh, That's true. Uh, Lots of siblings, they fight. Yeah, they fight and they... So, so that was one of the, the, the things which I had to learn earlier, early on, that you know, I need to build my own legacy outside the family business. And, um, and it sparked that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that idea in, in my head. Uh, there is a lot of potential outside the family business. I don't have to depend on the family business to sort of um, survive. Uh, early on, you know, my father kicking me out, being independent. Again, that's another, another piece. When I came back after working in Dubai Aluminium for three years, come back, um, I, I wanted to join the family business. For two years, I had no clue of what to do or what not to do. Um, I was always attached to the energy business, um, whether it's power generation or oil and gas. Um, there was something about it which was pulling me. I saw the region here with a lot of potential, with a lot of opportunities in the space. So I chose that one uh, beyond 2009 when I saw you know, the financial crisis and, um, and, and, and beyond that. So I set up my own oil, tra- oil and gas uh, trading business, which took me around the world and, and really um, made me understand how uh, the supply chain works uh, from upstream to downstream. And, uh, and so, you know, oil and gas and energy is such a global commodity today. It's used everywhere. So um, you used to trade, uh, oil, uh, trade. So I used to trade oil and gas. Okay. And, um, it took me to almost sixty-five countries uh, globally. And, okay. Uh, I did business with many countries. And so you were selling to these countries. I was selling. I was buying. Okay. I was, you know, trading, and I was uh, learning my way. Um, obviously, it wasn't easy. Um, I made my own mistakes there. I had to learn the difficult, hard way. Um, uh, in 2015, in 2016, the, the, the business got very competitive with national companies coming into the play um, and, and, and basically owning that space, um, which, which was very opportunistic for us before, before then. So that also pushed me to, to come out of the comfort zone and to do something again, um, you know, innovative and new. In 2017, I would say almost, I was attending a, a family event um, where my family bank uh, was uh, celebrating 50 years. And uh, one of the gentlemen over there, a speaker, he was talking about disruption and how disruption was basically is going to take over every sector out there. 
Um, some sectors are heavily disrupted and some sectors are less disrupted. Through the use of technology, new business models can, can come to, to, uh, to, to, to life. And that gave me an inspiration that I could do something about oil and gas. Uh, ironically, I was driving a Tesla back then. And, uh, <laughs> and that gave me an idea. Uh, and by the way, I, I used to drive Tesla because I hate going to the gas station. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the benefits of, uh, of having a Tesla is uh, charging at home. Yeah. Um, so, so in 2017, you know, the, the, the idea about getting into the space um, got me to understand a bit more about the business model of, of the gas station which is a hundred year old you know, business model that has not been evolved or disrupted through technology. And uh, I came to the idea of, uh, of Kafka in 2018. And did it like make sense to you immediately? I mean, someone would look, I mean, as you said, these petrol stations, they're owned by, by really big groups. Um, they're the most, probably the most traditional uh, types of businesses. And then you thought, okay, this is this is something that's ripe for disruption. Yeah, I mean, I, I came, you know, at it purely from an entrepreneurial, uh, you know, spirited uh, point of view and uh, from a user point of view. And again, looked at the region here. We haven't really invented something in the region and exported to or taken it out to other, uh, you know, parts of the world. Um, you know. Funnily, back in 2018, I wanted to get it funded uh, by by some of my family members. I was not able to do that. I went out to uh, to some of the you know venture capital uh, funding firms. I was not able to do that because uh, you know they told me that you know if your family doesn't believe in you, we will not believe in you, and it's too difficult of a, of a challenge of taking on yourself. Uh, and that made me bootstrap. Um, and made me sort of uh, focus on, uh, you know, uh, thinking about how to sort of finance it out, you know, my own way and uh, and be able to focus on the unit economics itself. Actually, I just noticed we haven't really defined for the audience, you know, what, what is CAFU, just in case someone doesn't know CAFU, which I doubt. I mean, if you live in the UAE, you're, you've definitely seen the trucks, but describe to us uh, what CAFU does. So we are the first on-demand fuel delivery company okay. uh, in the region. Um, today we are more than that. Um, so we look at ourselves as a platform um, that delivers every service uh, vehicle owner needs. Um, we are into the space of uh, fuel, um, be it agnostic. So today we are offering fossil fuel, but tomorrow we are looking into uh, exciting things like electric or hydrogen. Okay. Um, and we also offer our other services like car wash, oil change, and tire change, and battery change. We're looking into sort of introducing insurance and uh, other different type of uh, products which are around, I would say, the, 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 the vehicle and the vehicle ownership space. Okay, so you're starting to compete with lots of people now because first you were competing with the, with the petrol station. And now there are, you know, some other platforms, uh, startups that are trying to tackle the service uh, aspect of the car, whether it's you know simple things like oil change or tire change or things like that. So it's interesting you mentioned com- competition. Uh, I don't really believe in competition. I think that you know we live in a in a you know in 2022 where uh, we have got a lot of technologies around us and uh, and we believe that you know we want to 
disrupt the old ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is really the, 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 the piece which we are after. Uh, we believe in, you know, in offering uh, our users and our customers uh, the convenience, and convenience is at heart of what we do. Um, we believe that the vehicles are, uh, are, are very advanced at the moment in terms of connectivity, and we believe there is a way for us to connect directly to a vehicle and take uh, you know, that convenience to a completely different level where the vehicle will be able to uh, you know, order all its services without the like consumer. The actual car, you mean? The actual the, car. The customer's car. Yeah. Will be able to order all this uh, because, like, you have a computer that tells you when exactly. the service is needed. Yeah. So you would connect with that. Yeah, okay. that's that's the ultimate vision nice. for us. Uh, that's great. To, to sort of, uh, <laughs> okay. To achieve and reach, I think that will become way much better for our planet if we're able to sort of do something like that. It will be why because we are much efficient than the than the hundred year old uh, business model or the you know the the, the alternative which is out there. Um, how how are you efficient? Because we we are able to address demand with a dynamic supply, uh, with a supply that is um, that's mainly driven through efficiency and higher utilization. Um, we're able to disconnect um, that static um, shop, uh, whether it being a gas station pumping fuel, or the tire uh, shop, or the oil chain shop, and be able to sort of take that supply which is available in mm-hmm. a location and make it completely mobile uh, and dynamic mm-hmm. um, you know we typically use 10 percent of of our cars 90 um, percent of the of the time the car is sitting in a parking somewhere mm-hmm. so we believe you know we can utilize that uh, idle time to do so many things service the car you know in different ways um, and this is where we want to connect to the car and okay but you, um, so the way, the way I see it is you, I, I, I see the convenience side of things. I mean, we use Kafu all the time. Uh, we've been using it for a couple of years now. Um, but how do you, I mean, the, the, way, the way I would look at it is, okay, it's a truck that's driving around uh, a lot. So how, how, would, how is that more efficient? So the way we see it is we see it... Um as uh, as completely let's say um, so we have a zone um, and that zone could be a city and the city has m- multiple smaller zones within that and a heat map and that heat map changes and during the day and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the supply typically you know matches the demand of that particular zone mm-hmm. um, so so typically we uh, we punch five x six x more than the the typical uh, gas station, and this is where our unit economics is way much. What better. does punch mean? So we we, we basically pump out a okay. higher uh, throughput uh, okay. than than the typical than the typical gas station. Okay. Similarly, on our other services, because of the nature uh, of us being mobile versus you know the, the alternative being uh, stuck on the ground mm-hmm. um, so if you think about a gas station mm-hmm. right it depends on the traffic which is you know moving on that gas station yes um, typically it changes during the 24 hours mm-hmm. during the morning times and during the evening times it's uh, it's uh, it's peak uh, but other other than that it's idling uh, so there's no much you know utilization 
while for us we operate 24/7 and uh, we typically follow uh, a heat map uh, a heat map a heat map that is generated by consumers you and okay. me and by businesses. So for, for for those that don't know what a heat map is so basically you have a dashboard where you can see where all the cars that are ordering petrol for example in a specific location that's correct. right so you can see red and orange and yeah, yes, stuff. and that's not us. That you know, that's the machine who does you know that, and the machine is able to process much higher um, uh, efficiency than than, uh, than us. So, so, so what you're saying is, so you have you have you look at these heat maps where where most of the demand is concentrated in an area, then your truck is going exactly in that area, so you're not driving long distances exactly. and back and exactly. forth. And and where do they refill? So we typically look at, at the moment, we have one depot centralized in Dubai, um, but eventually as we as our volume grows, we will look into something very similar to a hub and spoke model, mm-hmm. which is typically few hubs and, uh, and they feed you know, that, uh, that typical radius. At that moment of time, we become a bit more efficient. So as we grow our volume, uh, you know, economies of scale kick in, and our efficiency start to become really, um, more, more, you know, much better. And in fact, you know, that's that's a piece which we have taken onto ourselves to make it uh, much more carbon efficient. Um, you know, you can you can sort of you know think about us. Uh, you know, delivering fuel is is really not good. Uh, you know, f- from a carbon uh, emission point of view. But in fact, you know, we, we look at how much uh, we emit and, uh, and we have, you know, string, stringent targets on ourselves to bring that uh, number lower uh, by different ways, um, by, you know, whether using uh, biofuel on our own trucks, that's something that we're looking at, and by, you know, uh, making it the most efficient routing possible to, to, to mm-hmm. reach a customer. I think, you know, I, 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 I believe in, in something called energy transition, which is not an energy switch. Um, an energy switch, you can imagine, it's, a, it's an overnight switch. Um, in this space, uh, we are looking into an energy transition, which will take over a slightly longer period of time, um, but it's much more sustainable to do it that way. Um, you know, um, if I look at, for example, the future of of, uh, of fuels, there is electric, which is uh, you know the, the the one which we obviously see in front of us right now, but there is also hydrogen, which is uh, an abundantly available renewable fuel uh, that could be harnessed and that could be used. Um, there are companies, manufacturers out there who have you know spent a lot of money on R and D making that happen. Okay. So it could be something you get at the gas pump or it's... Uh... So that's interesting because we see it as there is a problem right now. It's a chicken or egg problem um, from a supply and demand point of view. There is, um, you know, if you want to go and buy uh, MRI, a Toyota MRI, which is a hydrogen car, a fuel cell car, you would typically... What is it called, the car? Mirai. Mirai? Yeah. Okay. This, it's so a, it's a hydrogen car. It's, a, it's called Mirai. It's a Toyota Mirai. Yeah. It's a Toyota Mirai. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I've never heard of it. Okay. Does it exist here? It, uh, you see, that's the point. You know? If you want to go and buy it, you can uh-huh. possibly buy it. Uh-huh. But where would you fill it with fuel? Okay. Uh, with hydrogen. And hydrogen is a gas. Uh-huh. It requires investment. Uh, and if I'm a fuel retailer, I would think twice because there is no hydrogen 
car owners mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So would I invest in, in, in such a thing? And this is where we think really we can solve that problem mm-hmm. by introducing the chicken, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is our supply of hydrogen, okay. uh, breaking that, uh, that cycle. You would integrate it within the current truck that you have, or it would be a So it will be a specific uh, truck okay. that will be carrying. And, and is hydrogen better than the electric cars? Uh, so hydrogen is interesting because it converts hydrogen gas into electric power mm-hmm. and it emits water. Okay. That's the, that's the magic in, in hydrogen. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and effectively you get... Why the, don't we hear about that? I mean, all we hear about is electric as an alternative. Yeah, it's an interesting problem to be solved globally because I think it's the same problem you go you know, elsewhere. Uh, California has adopted hydrogen long way back and uh, and they have hydrogen stations out there really they okay subsidize you know that um, they subsidize owners uh, to to sort of adopt hydrogen and uh, and the problem was again around the same problem uh, you know static um, hydrogen uh, stations that need to depend on demand to come to it and and demand wasn't that fast to sort of adopt hydrogen um, you know, Japan is, is very advanced in that. They have got many hydrogen stations, but still the, the adoption has, has lacked. I think one interesting thing we, we learned also from electric vehicles is that uh, you, you know, anybody can access uh, electricity at mm-hmm. home. And that's, that's interesting because that's not the hydrogen problem. You know, it's, uh, it's overcoming that. And hence you see adoption rates are increasing on the, on the EVs. But EVs typically don't solve the long term, uh, the long haul problem. They typically solve the short haul mm-hmm. problem. Um, but there are now new EVs on the market that are in, in development that should theoretically have a longer uh, range than what like our Teslas have. Yeah, I think they can get into a stage where it becomes counterproductive, where heavier uh, batteries, which will give you a longer range, will mm-hmm. be counter counterproductive. I see. Okay. So, uh, so it's an interesting space to, to, uh-huh. to look at. So speaking a little bit about, um, you know, CAFU and, and the future plans, um, so you touched a little bit on potentially offering other alternatives than fuel, uh, like hydrogen. Sorry, if I'm not using the correct terminology, That's please fair. correct me. Or, or electric, potentially, and different services for the car. Do you, do you, uh, do you see CAFU outside of the UAE? Do you see this model being implemented successfully in, I don't know, places like Saudi Arabia, Egypt, or where could you take it next? So it's interesting, you know, when we started the, the idea of CAFO, uh, we thought that, you know, let's address a big market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gas stations, globally, we're talking about 350,000 gas stations in the world. And we thought... 350,000? 350,000 gas stations. Globally? Globally. Okay, that's a lot? I think it's a lot, yeah. Okay. And uh, they typically pump 45%. There's like, there's like 10 stations around my house almost. Yeah, but I'm looking at it from a from a global yeah, point yes. of view, and uh, which is interesting because you've got different countries, which different markets, which have got different pro- uh, sets of problems. So we wanted to sort of address address that from um, from a universal unit economics point of view, mm-hmm. and we started looking at you know how much you know gas stations pump in the world, etc. And we wanted to to prove that by starting somewhere, which was you know close to home, Dubai, and 
which was open for you know innovation and um, and we hence we started here in Dubai. But Dubai is is an interesting market, a small market. We we have never thought that we would be only a Dubai solution. We always thought that this could be exported or this mm-hmm. can be taken to 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 other parts. Dubai is a good city, um, you know, known globally for um, for being the best at something, and we thought you know. Um, Launching such a product, uh, such a such a product, uh, product in Dubai mm-hmm. with different multinationals can also be a good way for us to take it into different countries. Okay, so and where where could it go next? It could go anywhere. Um, we are really open. We look at you know <clears throat> markets out there with uh, the density of, of of gas stations versus uh, vehicles. We look at um, something called fuel margin. We look at um, you know. Um, the pain point which customers go through on a on a daily basis and then we look at the size of that particular market uh, i think that you know we are a metropolitan solution more than um, you know anything else uh, so i don't see us working efficiently on a highway for example mm. gas stations will always be better uh, you know at, uh, at the uh, you know at the highway um, and uh, so you don't have any kind of regulatory challenges or or any uh, like access to fuel type challenges you you, you think that you can just go uh, i think fortunately fortunately uh, we 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 have been able to achieve almost 6 million fill-ups very recently and that number is growing very rapidly we are Congratulations. and since 2018 since 2019 2019 um and that's that's a global benchmark there's no on demand fuel delivery company was able to achieve this number in a, in a short span um, like us. And that gave us a lot of insights in terms of the operation, in terms of the safety, in terms of how better we can scale this, uh, this thing up. Um, so, so we are, I would say, in a way, um, an authority when it comes to on-demand fuel delivery. And we want to protect this industry wherever we go and take it globally. Um, we believe in it and uh, we believe to support it also. Okay, so do you are you operating like? Do you consider yourself a tech startup? Yes, uh, in internally we are a product led organization, and uh, we believe, you know, we went into a journey um, disrupting a space um, uh, which is big enough uh, globally and which is hot also in terms of um, you know topic uh, globally today and. Uh, we see, you know, many different experiments happening around us in this space, and uh, we look at ourselves, you know, pioneering a space that no one has been uh, there yet. Technology plays a big role in your offering, right? Like, how do you organize the routes of the trucks, the app, the orders? So it's interesting, you know, we we see technology as an as a mean to deliver on our business model, and uh, and that's the the interesting piece here. Um, I chose to sort of put us as a product-led company because we have invented products that have never been used before mm-hmm. and uh, and that's you has know. everything been built uh, in-house yeah like the technology so, obviously you said you designed the trucks as well yeah again it was an interesting journey for me because i i never came from from this background i never came from the tech background uh, I had to learn, and I had to learn the hard way and I had uh, you know done a lot of mistakes in terms of what was your biggest what was your, Many. what was the hardest, give me like one of your hardest uh, 
experiences you've had? I mean, many, many, you know, choosing the wrong, let's say, tech stack, uh, choosing uh, the wrong, let's say, um, I mean, you know, initially before even taking to to develop it internally, we went out and, yeah, and wanted it to, to, to sort of develop it out. That's that where was, all the problems happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's where we figured out that you know, this is such a unique journey we are on and that we have to build it our own uh, okay. from scratch uh, onwards. And so you have a CTO? Uh, so I had uh, uh, a head of technology, and uh, now I'm searching for a CTO. Okay. Okay. So, and But the reason why I asked you about this is because, you know, there is, first of all, I mean, there is a lot of hype, well, not hype, well, there's a lot going on in the startup, uh, in the tech startup space in the UAE. It's It's been pioneering for, for a few years now, and uh, the, the, the biggest investments are happening here, the biggest number of. Uh, the number of deals that are taking place is happening here. Um, and there is, you know, there's, you're, we're starting to see investors from all over the world uh, come and invest in companies from the region. Um, so when, when people look at uh, Kafu or when investors look at Kafu and when they, when they try to, uh, you know, put it uh, on par with, let's say, other, let's say, tech startups or uh, like Karim or, or something like that, do you... Do you, do, do you operate in the same way? Again, they would look at scalability and, and where else can it go? They would look at uh, yeah, the unit economics and, and, and all of that. So that's why I asked you if you, if you see yourself as a, as a tech startup or are you funding this you know, on, your, like on, your, on your own terms or, or with, a, with a close basically network of people? So, you know, when we started the, you know, I, I, I always thought that there will be funding for, for something like this. Um, but I got, uh, I got uh, shocked with, uh, with the type of questions which I got from the, uh, from the regional investors, mm -hmm. mainly when it comes to proving the model. Um, you know, the typical question is that, has it been done elsewhere? And if my answer is no, then nobody wants to touch it. Mm -hmm. Nobody <laughs> wants to take that amount of risk. Mm -hmm. They want to see somebody who have built it uh, initially and mm -hmm. somebody who is successful. And if that uh, you know company is successful globally, wherever it is, they will cap our success to that success. Uh, I have a fundamental issues with something like that because that limits innovation, that limits our imagination, that limits you know where we could end up going with it. I believe that we all human beings are unique, and I believe we all have unique journeys. Uh, and every company is a unique company. I think the problem starts when we start to compete and with the mindset of competition. Mm -hmm. I think we need to have that blue ocean thinking uh, going on in every company. And every company can sort of uh, think on what it is uh, there for. Why is it existing from day one? And if the answer is to compete with someone else, then uh, my suggestion is shut down and, and leave. Um, I think, you know, we need to sort of address the problems that we live in today. What were, what were the concerns, uh, Rashid? I mean, it's such a, I mean, you're delivering petrol to people's homes. Like, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you're taking something that exists and just making it better. So I'm just surprised that you didn't get uh, uh, I mean, more interest initially. Yeah, investors, they, they, they never look at it from that point of view. They see, you know, is it been proven out there? 
and uh, and they and they attach you know the 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 proof of this concept to someone else mm. i think we live in a in a unique region uh, and i think we are addressing a unique you know problem through technology through imagination and initially it was you know that uh, the government and the regulation will stop you i knew how to sort of deal with the with the regulation my own brother did not believe that it will work Okay. Before before I started the business, and he thought, why would you know people need this service? I don't see it a problem. I don't see the gas station being a problem. Um, but you know, under the hood, we always knew that our unit economics would be way much way much better than the than the gas station. So hence that um, that was a belief that we had, and that uh, we you know myself you know bootstrapped the business and invested in my own. So you funded it. I funded the business. Do you still fund it? I still fund it. I uh, I believe also that you know we. So you're we, all in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the way how you know I made it possible to reach wherever it is today. And I don't think you know we are uh, you know I think this is the beginning of of, of something big. Okay. I think we are just scratching the tip of. What do you see the end game for you and with Kafu? Global domination. Global domination, yeah. okay. I think, um, you know, um, the mobility space is, is a very interesting space. Mm-hmm. It's ever-evolving. Uh, people are solving different problems, but nobody really addressed the infrastructure space around mobility. Uh, we will soon uh, start seeing autonomous driving coming up, but the autonomous driving require infrastructure around it that needs to be plugged with a machine mm-hmm. that needs to, you know, supply that that, that vehicle with all the services required to it. Interesting. Uh, so while while the, the the gas stations might become obsolete, maybe I don't know, in maybe twenty years when everything becomes autonomous or EVs or hydrogen or whatever, uh, then you have the the infrastructure to or like the the agility to replace fuel with whatever else. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. But you've you've already mapped out this. Uh, like you have already the relationship with the customer, you know, you 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 service their car, you clean their cars, uh, you fill their cars, and you can just replace whatever the, so, uh, the fuel is. So one of our ultimate, uh, I would say, uh, you know, vision is to automate the whole service around it, mm-hmm. is to connect directly to the vehicle and be able to take that, you know, cumbersome, boring service for consumers. It's the most horrible experience, by the way. Yeah. And you can imagine, uh, you know, if you are like in a... The service, I'm talking about the service of the car. Yeah. And you can imagine if you are like living in a metropolitan, a very busy city Mm -hmm. with traffic uh, out there in the region or outside the region even, uh, how much time would you be investing? Uh, We've noticed, you know, some of those metropolitans with 10 million population, people take around two hours to just refuel their vehicles. And that's that's a cumbersome, let's say, that's you know, operation for an individual who is busy, you know, with their lives. Uh, you know, my dream is to see the impact uh, within, you know, a period of time of how much time we would have. I mean, we we have saved our customers, uh, whether it's businesses or consumers. Do you track this? We do track that. Yeah. Okay, that'd be interesting. Uh... I mean, simply, you know, six million fill-ups we have done in the last uh, three years almost now with uh, 20 minutes on an average. Um, and you can do the multiplication. There. An average wait time. 
an average wait time. That what someone would spend at the yeah. petrol station. But if we are operating in a different market, in a different city, yeah. that 20 minutes could become two hours and you can multiply that with the, with the amount of fill-up. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of saving mm-hmm. and it's a lot of, you know, carbon emissions saved. And, um, and that's, the, you know, the, 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 let's say the, the ultimate dream. It's very exciting. Yeah. It is a very, it's a very interesting uh, company. Initially, you know, when when uh, when I saw the trucks, I also thought like, why, you know, why why would you need this? But ultimately, we we use it all the time, and we don't go to the petrol station anymore. Yeah. Just so because as you said, like it comes at night, you're sleeping, and you know you order the truck, and it just comes at one a.m. refills your car and leaves. It's an interesting piece because um, sometime back before COVID, um, I was pushed by some of my team members. Uh, to introduce cash as uh, you know, as a physical cash, uh, as a payment method, and I pushed back on that one because I thought that destroys the user experience. Um, you know, the user experience right now is you pin uh, you pin the order, and uh, it's, you know the credit card is saved on on our app. We come and we fill up your your card without us really needing to call you or notify you about yeah. it. Um, that's the level of service which we are aiming for and, and trying to maintain for. Uh, by introducing cash, you know, you destroy that whole user experience. Anyway, COVID, uh, COVID accelerated everything that's uh, digital and exactly. non-cash basically is, you know, cash is dying almost. And, and even across the region, you have very high uh, adoption or increase in adoption in credit cards and so on. So I think, for, you know, the the... the we're still at the beginning, basically, of where the potential could be yeah. with yeah. more adoption. Yeah. Um, we can't ignore what's happening today in uh, in Russia and in, uh, in Ukraine, and uh, you know this is a business show. It's not a it's not a political show, so we don't really want to tackle the, the political side of it. But you're you're in the fuel business, um, and there's a lot of talk, obviously, about uh, about sanctions, and actually there are sanctions. So how, how does that impact? your business uh, here? So interesting, I mean, like if we look at it from a short-term point of view, it impacts it positively, obviously. Um, How we, so? Uh, so we typically look into buying last month uh, prices and we sell this month prices and uh, our our margins are, are locked in. Um, uh, so that's from a short term. But today, did you did you increase your prices or? So we typically uh, follow the the fuel station. Um, okay. We supply. I mean, we we fuel up customers at the fuel station uh, same price. Okay. Um, but obviously, we are much more efficient than a fuel station. Um, when we look at it from a medium and longer term, I think this will only increase the uh, the the EV adoption. And it will accelerate uh, that uh, that uh, that conversion. Uh, two EVs. Um, I think uh, that's again a space that we are looking at. We are a fuel agnostic company, uh, and we want uh, you know to to help accelerate uh, you know such a move. Uh, we all knew that you know fossil fuel is is, is going to be out there for the next 20, 30 years. Um, um, you know at at this at those prices that you know that life cycle might. Uh, you know, uh, shave or might sort of reduce to maybe 20 or, you know, 15 years uh, from now. So so I think it's an interesting time which we are living in. But you have to, I mean, this is one of your business challenges as well. You have to think about buying fuel, right? And, and like ordering in advance. 
So we we typically buy from uh, the fuel suppliers in, okay. the, in the UAE here, who okay. is also a refiner, and uh, and typically we have uh, you know a long term uh, contract with them, uh, fuel supply contract um, that is basically locking in our our let's say fuel margin. Um, so so it's a, it's a very covered I would say uh, aspect okay. of the business. Okay, well let's let's wrap let's wrap up with a with a with a few. Um, thoughts on your end about you know your experiences i have a uh, i'd like to know what are what are your where do you stand on some of these uh, these notions so you you mentioned to me when we spoke earlier that you know you're a father you have three children what do what do you think about work life balance as an entrepreneur so it's a, you know it's an interesting um, time you know when i was going to school um, back in in boston in 2004 uh, I got to know about mid-age crisis. Okay, and, uh, it was <laughs> that's early, that early. No, I got to know about it. You oh. know that you get to mid-age crisis okay. in your thirties. Okay, I'm today thirty-nine, and uh, and I thought about it. You know that you know when I get to mid-age crisis, it's gonna be you know six months, and it will you know pass by, uh-huh. and you know I'll be able to overcome. And this is something that I was to think about, but uh, mid-age crisis, I think, is, is is much more than that. I think it's you know, we all go through our, you know, careers and our lives and um, and there are, you know, moments of, of life where we have to devote it towards certain things and certain aspects uh, more than the other. Um, so, you know, I believe in, in, uh, in a in wheel of life and, uh, you know, where you can focus only at certain elements of your life uh, during that period of time. Mm-hmm. But there are certain others that uh, you won't be able to focus much on. Um, so, you know, you need to sort of be able to choose which one are you going to be focusing in that moment of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically in this moment of time for me, in my journey, in my unique journey, I think, you know, I'm building something big here and I want to sort of be able to take it to the next level and then I'll be able to sort of take a little bit, you know, time off uh, at that moment of time. But I really think that, you know, now it's the time to sort of give... You're in full work mode. Exactly. Give more, the maximum possible to, to, to make this... Uh, okay. So you must have a very supportive family then, and understanding. Family. Very thankful for that. And, uh, you know, and I, and I knew it, you know, when I started my own business, that, you know, business will take a lot of my time yeah. and... Um, you know, it's an understanding between myself first, within myself, and uh, you know, many of us go through different conflicts in life and different sort of moments where I have to be there, but I have to also be here. I think you know, when you realize you are you're giving away something for something else, and that's for the better of everything, that's a moment of relief uh, internally first, mm-hmm. and that's a moment where you can maximize your your focus on that. Uh, and that element of life. I think a lot of people um, look at the entrepreneurs and how successful they are or how successful they become. I think people uh, don't necessarily see the support system around entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, having been an entrepreneur myself and having had my own business, if you don't, I believe if you don't have a supportive uh, spouse uh, or partner, I think it's it's very, very difficult. So it's, I think, yeah, it's it's a it's a function of both of you basically agreeing that okay, this is gonna be hard and there's gonna be sacrifices, but we're gonna do this. 
So definitely, I think that it's not um, something for everybody. Uh, entrepreneurship. That's true. I think you know you have or a person has to sort of choose before they get into it that it's a, it's a dedication. It's a, it's a you know it's a, it's a devotion. It's uh, many sacrifices around it. So they need to sort of you know know that uh, that's going to be a fact and uh, yeah. it's given. Self development. Do you, do you constantly work on yourself? So yeah, I mean self development in with uh, with uh, with my mindset first mm-hmm. uh, before anything else. Uh, you know, reading new concepts, um, open minded person. Uh, you know, the internet is able to sort of give us a lot of you know education, a lot of stuff happening out there. I continuously look at that. Um, you know, new pioneering business models have always been intriguing inside me. I look at them as puzzles, mm-hmm. um, and I and I. Uh, you know, I kind of like sort of you know connect the dots in my in my head. The minute I see a business a business in front of me, and I get into intrigued intrigue to sort of understand that, you know what, what drives that business. Um, I I typically like to sort of go and educate myself in a in a in a fast manner, um, in a way where if I don't know a subject, I uh, I used to sort of you know take some time off and uh, and and. Uh, go take a course um, typically online courses are, are very sort of beneficial and useful in that in that aspect so I did a lot of uh, a lot of them back in the days when I when I when I started the company um, <clears throat> and uh, you know I learned a lot uh, from that and you know I used to sort of practice it live uh, with uh, with the business with your company. yeah yeah so it's an ongoing process of course yeah yeah, yeah. Um, health Health is, uh, you know, an interesting thing. Uh, I think, uh, you know... Uh, Entrepreneurs I, are prone to they burn have out. To, they have to do that. They have, we have to work out. We have to sleep, uh, you know, well and um, eat well. Uh, and that's a way to keep stress levels at, uh, you know, at healthy levels. Um, you know, it's natural for us to get uh, overstressed at times. And I think it's good to sort of get to know what uh, is a good reliever for that stress and what's a good so you know um, what, what, what has worked for me is some time off um, you know uh, I'm, I'm enjoying our new weekends now uh, yes it's giving me a little bit more time to breathe and think I think with entrepreneurs at times we get into this cycle of continuous running 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 and burning out it's a you know I think the balance there is healthy the balance of getting slightly burned out and slightly, let's say, you know, uh, relieved or, 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 you know, relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a moment where, you know, you, you connect ideas and then and, and you slow down pace. And um, I think it's important to sort of have that. Back in the days before, before COVID, uh, I used to travel a lot and I used to sort of, you know, take those moments when I'm on a train or a flight or in a car, you know, thinking about you know how to solve something a problem in the business or uh, come up with new ideas how do you capture these ideas do you have a system is it in your head do you take no, notes i take notes, uh, take notes? Uh, conventional okay. way pen and paper conventional i had a i had a guest uh, on the show jonathan laven he said uh, he said something that i found very interesting he said you know people say that life is a marathon and he doesn't think that life is a marathon he thinks that life is a series of sprints where you work hard, work hard, work hard, get to a place, and then you take some time off, and then you recharge, and then you 
go at it again. I think it's very interesting. interesting. I know, I know Jonathan uh, okay. back and I met him and he told me the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> I think he uh, it was an interesting concept which he told me about, which is um, uh, where he has taken some time off. Yes, uh, he traveled for a year. He took a he year off. Exactly. Mm. And that was a moment where I was thinking, can I even afford to do something <laughs> like that? You know? And that's a, that's a luxury thing back then in the days. And and I'm really looking forward for when I can take the you know the next yeah. uh, w- one year off. Yeah. Well, um, last question for you: If you know, as a, as an Emirati yourself and as a business owner, is there something that and and the UAE has been you know pioneering on on, on so many levels? Is there something that you think you would like to see more of? You know, I'm I really look at us as a region here. I, um, and that's something I, I give credit to my dad. He has brought us up as, you know, we are we belong to this whole region and we have to think about the region. And region, I'm talking about the whole Arab countries here. I think there is a lot of opportunities for, you know, youth and, uh, and the next generation of entrepreneurs to come up with radical ideas. Ideas which shouldn't be the next, you know, Kafu, shouldn't be the next, you know, um, food delivery company or e-commerce company. We need to sort of think uh, of using whatever technologies you, uh, is available out there to come up with fresh business models and ideas. And and this is where we can, you know, we can sort of innovate here and innovate with a proper definition of innovation. Uh, we live in really exciting times. I think we have really uh, smart, you know, generation uh, coming up. Uh, they have went to school, they didn't go to school, but they learned their own way. So I think it's, you know, I really want to see the next, uh, you know, uh, big idea come from this region. Uh, I want to be an example, if I can, uh, to make that happen. Um, And for us, less to be followers, you know, for us to be uh, leaders and pioneers out of this region. Yeah. We're, we're, We're slowly, I think, you know, there, there is some, uh, light at the end of the tunnel. We start. We're starting to see some exciting projects. I had. Uh, I interviewed last week. Amran uh, Sharaf. He's the head of the Emirates Mars mission. You know, he was talking about the, the Mars uh, probe. So the whole probe. Sorry. So there's. Uh, I think there's. You know, we're 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 moving in the right direction. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I want to see more of that. Well, Rashid, thank you so much for uh, for coming here. It was such a pleasure to host you. Thank you, Lula. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Lulu. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Rashid al uh, As usual, if you want to reach out to me, you can visit www.conversationswithlulu.com and you can go on the contact section and you can reach out for guest recommendations, for speaking opportunities uh, or any other queries, queries you may have. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Alhami, Spotify, and and more. And help us grow the show by recommending it to your friends and colleagues and family and whoever will benefit from it. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you in a few weeks. 
Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.